Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. What is up, Cougar fans? We hope you had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We got to celebrate one more football win of 2020 while on vacation last week before turning our focus fully to the BYU basketball season ahead. I'm Lauren McLean, and it's a holiday weekend, that weird time between Christmas and going back to work. So today I'm joined by our producer, Cole Wissinger. And Cole, before we obviously turn our full focus to basketball, we got to talk about this 2020 football season because yeah, it was there incredible. there was a bowl game at the end of it, right? That we still haven't gotten. We, we have took not the week been able off. to talk about. You know, last Saturday was the day after Christmas. Right. We, we let you guys you know, enjoy time with your family. But now we're back to work, and it's time to talk about how great it was to win a bowl game again, and dominatingly, it seemed. Yes, BYU beat UCF 49-23, to and coming into that game, I thought it would be more of a battle between the two offenses than it ended up being. BYU just dominated on the offensive side against their defense, and UCF, it took them a while to get going, and that was surprising to see. But, but man, BYU came out, they made a statement they're like, we are a legit good team. And playing UCF, they they obviously weren't first in their conference, but they their all their losses they had barely lost, you know. And by it's it's very a good conference, margins. right? It's, it's that a American. Great, great the conference this power season. Five. And UCF and their just their their history in the last few years, they've been a, a phenomenal team. So I think that was a great statement for BYU football to come out and make for their final game of the season. Zach Wilson did exactly what we assumed he would and what we assume is his last game as a BYU Cougar. But you're right, it's on that other side. The fact that my, my all-time favorite um, sports cliche that goes around is that it, it was a blowout and it wasn't even that close. And this is one of those games. Like 49-23 to 23 seems like it was a one-sided victory. And it was even worse than that for so much of the game because their offense, which is the thing that if they had a chance, they just needed to keep up with us, right? We were going to score, and we assumed that they would probably score too, and whoever just had the ball last, that's probably your, your, your ball game. And they couldn't get into a rhythm early on, and that's what helped BYU establish such a large lead going forward. That's right, and BYU's defense really showed up, especially there in that first half, which helped them out. So, Cole, I want to know, what stood out to you the most from that 2020 football season? Zach Wilson, uh-huh. number one. <laughs> that is, it begins and ends with the fact that coming into the season, we really, you, you got to realize we never did get to see Zach Wilson truly healthy, right? He had that, like, mythos over, you know, going, have a perfect completion percentage in the bowl game a couple years ago, but then... It, he never really was right. You know, we, we had a lot of hope for him, and then things just kind of tapered off again. It seemed like, you know, just another another quarterback that we wanted to be the next great BYU quarterback and then wasn't going to be, and then he was. We got to see <laughs> Heisman hype. We got to see, you know, the late night on the West Coast. It was BYU time for the whole nation to see how great Zach Wilson could be. Yes, he had he had a subpar season last year. No one expected him to come in and do and make the the huge jump and leap of improvement that he did this season and the confidence that he came with came in with. And I think that what stood out to me the most is how much BYU benefited from this altered season. They benefited, I dare say, more than any other team in the entire country. The national publicity 
um, for being the only team playing in the West for a while was definitely benefiting to them. They kept winning, of course, and they were there were very few close games, so they were winning in just by these large margins for the exception of a game or two. They kept winning, and sometimes more importantly, they kept playing, right? When you're the yes, only team on playing. the West Coast, they got to be that because they kept following the rules and having an opportunity to play. It very could have easily gone the other way. When you have that attention and spotlight on you, BYU slips up a couple times, has a couple idiot players that go out and, and end up testing positive. All of a sudden, the entire team gets shut down, and it becomes even worse because we were the only one that was on the West Coast, and now no one gets to watch football after 9 o'clock at night. But they kept doing the right thing. They kept getting the opportunity to get on the field. The players did the right thing. Tom Homo did the right thing. And then it all came together with amazing wins and an amazing season. Yes, and that was part of the the publicity they were getting is giving BYU props for coming up with a schedule on that short of notice. And I think the national media was just blown away by that, how they could somehow get that many games uh since their entire schedule was blown up at the beginning. and Over under 10 times did we see that graphic that ESPN throws up where it's <laughs> BYU's old schedule, and then we cross this off yes. and cross this off. And cross oh, this yeah, off you hear that everything. every single game. You kind of <laughs> hear the same things every single BYU game from those national media members because not every, everybody's watching every single game, but for us big BYU fans, we it's are, like, all right, all right, we've heard that before, yeah. <laughs> but it's all right, I, I get it. And and BYU's offense was was exciting. It was an exciting offense that made it so much fun to watch. And then Brady Christensen talked on, he's the offensive lineman who was actually declaring for the draft, talked on BYU Sports Nation about how the team grew so close together because that's all they had to rely on. They had to rely on each other. And in practice, and for a while, they didn't even know if they were going to have games before the season started. So they were only playing each other. He said there was tons of fighting and everything going on. (laughs) But eventually it brought them closer together. And they faced all the uncertainty and all the success together. So he said it was the closest team he'd played on in his four years. And they just they just had so much fun together. And you could you could see that. It it was transparent and and they showed it on the field as well. And and, and speaking of Dr- Brady Christensen, let's talk about a couple of the guys that are declaring for the draft as a result, as a direct result of this season. Zach Wilson, obviously we know that he's searching for an agent and, and that's most likely his his path from here on out. And it seems like the right move, right? Oh yeah. You you strike while the iron's hot, and for this guy it's it is as hot as it seems like it could possibly be. When you're being talked about as the number two pick Oof. overall in the draft, yeah, 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 you gotta go. Go. You gotta do it. You you're not gonna squelch that opportunity. So Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen, uh, all American. First, first team All American mm-hmm. since uh, oh my goodness, Luke Staley. Since oh, Luke Staley. Heck yeah! And I and mean, it's Pro an Football Focus lineman. puts out their their grades right. They they do their specific All American votes and yes, consistently throughout the entire year. They're they're the ones that actually. So when I see offensive linemen, I can notice when you let a guy buy, but I don't always. I don't know the nuances of two really big guys pushing each other back and forth. Right. So Pro Football Focus are the ones that actually like look at what each individual offensive lineman is. Sometimes when a sack happens, it wasn't his assignment or whatever. Right. And consistently the entire year, they were grading him as the best lineman in the country. Incredible. And he's such a good dude on yeah. top of it. He's yeah, such yeah, yeah. a good guy. So it's so fun. I hope he goes out and makes a lot of money. And Dax Milne declared for the draft. That one was a, a hair surprising for me. I'm not going to lie. He had an incredible season. 
started off as a walk on. That's your underdog story. Oh, that's yeah. a, if he man, if he gets drafted, which which I'm not sure if he will. I think he'll get picked up as a free agent. Absolutely. If he gets drafted, what an incredible story. And he's an incredible story anyway. So I'm I'm happy for him. Uh Kairos Tonga has officially declared for the draft as well. No surprise there. He will get drafted. Mm-hmm. He's for sure going to get drafted. And then Matt Bushman hasn't officially said anything yet, but I think he's gone as well. But imagine this BYU offense, and you add in Bushman's, like what he does as a tight end, being able to stretch the field. He was their leading receiver for a couple years. It it would have he would have shined even more. I think his draft stock would have shot through the roof with everyone else on this team if he had had a chance to play with them. I but agree. They, which the is talent a shame. was already there. Like dra- scouts were already looking before yep. the season. Like even last year, like Bushman might get drafted late rounds. Now coming into this season, he comes back. We'll still, as the producer of the show, I'll be putting together. I'll be reaching out to a couple scouts to be able to talk on the show when we get closer to draft time, what to expect from these BYU players on draft day and then going on to the next level. I'm really excited for that. I can't wait for that time because I can't I can't remember the last time BYU had this many prospects of actually possibly going to be drafted. Not just picked up as free agents, but but drafted. And I think yeah. it's going to be exciting. And we were doing the show last year, like right around the combine. I was yeah. getting ready to reach out because I have friends that, that are scouts. I was getting, I reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to come on the show? He said yes. And then we looked at who was invited to the combine. And there was not a single BYU guy. <laughs> like, oh, and so we just kind of scratched the idea. And boy, next this year, it's paying off for us. It's going to be a fun fun time. That will be a fun show. and. And unfortunately for Matt Bushman, but but great for BYU football team, Isaac Rex almost made BYU fans forget Matt Bushman was not Ooh. playing because he was so phenomenal. And that is not saying anything about Matt Bushman's talent because I think he will have a, a great, hopefully if he stays healthy, successful mm-hmm. career in the NFL. But man, Isaac Rex... And he's a freshman. He's a freshman. We get to keep him for a while. has some talent at that tight end position. So 15 seniors are most likely gone for BYU. And hopefully this does not happen, but offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes is being considered for some Power 5 jobs after this season as, he as should. well. That's what happened. That's the nature of you that's get good. That's how it goes. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. It just and and that's what you want. That's ultimately what you want in a program if your guys are staying around for a long long time, you know, especially the coordinators and the assistant coaches if they're staying around for a long long time. Seems like a good thing, but really you want them to be, you know, you want people to be reaching out to them from different programs to to move on to the next level of their career. And so BYU this is fans, a great thing. But. They're, they're no stranger to this kind of uncertainty because when BYU basketball got really good last year, all the rumor mills start churning like, man, Mark Pope is something. Maybe yes. he does want to move on. And then we uh, sign him up to a big, long contract and it's this like, offseason. Hallelujah. So. I know. Seriously. Back off. Yeah. He's ours. We get Mark Pope. Don't even think about it. So what's going to happen next year with the QB position specifically? As we look at it, there's Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, and Soljay Maiava. So there are some great – that is a lot of talent in one room. And and, um, Aaron Roderick, the the, uh, quarterback's coach for BYU, talked about that. He said, we obviously love Zach Wilson to stay. Most likely not going to happen. But – there's probably not going to be that significant as a drop when he leaves. Well, we, yeah. We've seen Jaron Hall. And there was talk last year, you know, Zach Wilson coming off of an injury and not looking as sharp due to exactly that. 
does Jaron Hall get some action above it? Like the the hype was high on Jaron Hall early on, mm-hmm. like two sport athlete, amazing scrambler. Like we've we've loved seeing Zach Wilson get into the end zone, but he's also like a precision passer. Jaron Hall is that true like dual threat. Any given play, he can take off oh, yeah. and just beat you around the corner. Which unfortunately is why. He was not playing because he was injured he and, and up, dealing. Yeah, needs to take care of himself he, yes. when he takes off around the corner. <laughs> Had some concussions dealing with a hip injury this year, which is why we didn't see him. Um, so I would love to see what, what a very healthy Jaron Hall could do if he can get to that point. Baylor Romney has been very consistent and good for BYU. That's the I, word. I don't know if um, I would put him above Jaron talent-wise, but he has he stayed healthy. He's kept himself healthy. He's ready to go when he's called upon, so I, I really like Bailey Romney. But I think it's going to be Jacob Conover if I if I had mm. to uh, place my bet today just because, I mean, coming out of high school, he was so I a mean, four-star recruit, quarterback for BYU, and he's been running the scout team, and, and people have been raving about what he's been doing. Plus, they get a, you know, get to start him out as – as a have three years or four years of eligibility, so the we'll long see, we'll offseason starts now. I'm sure yes, that, it, that there's so the, much the quarterbacks to talk about. might come up once or twice between now and September, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll see. Of course they will. Yeah, but but like you said, we're moving on to basketball for the most part. Let's let's recap a little bit uh, the nut. What's happened with the non-conference schedule for BYU basketball so far? Since we're jumping in the conference tonight. BYU lost to USC and Boise State. They had big wins against Utah, San Diego State, Utah State. Those were awesome. Those are so good. I mean, I'm going to put San Diego State above the other two. The rivals, obviously. So BYU won every single in-state game so far. They dominated the state. That's huge. That's huge for recruiting and a lot of other things. But that San Diego State game was just great for BYU's resume heading into the postseason. So BYU is now 9-2, and two, heading into San Diego tonight. We'll see what happens. San Diego is 1-5, but we're about to talk to uh, Jack Cronin, who is the play-by-play guy for USD, when we come back. So don't go anywhere. This is Cougar Tailgate. Lauren McLean. Each week we love getting to know the different opponents that BYU faces on a weekly basis. And before we heard about the USD BYU basketball game getting postponed due to COVID-related issues, something we've become very familiar with, we recorded an interview with Jack Cronin, the play-by-play guy for the Toreros. It was a great interview and we're still going to listen to it and here it is now. The calendar page turned and conference play begins for BYU basketball. The Cougs are back in Southern California with their WCC opener tonight against the San Diego Toreros. To get to know the University of San Diego a little better, we've got their play-by-play man, Jack Cronin. Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, Jack. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for the time. So San Diego has had a difficult schedule so far. Open conference play on New Year's Eve against San Francisco. Possibly not the the start that they anticipated or wanted, but what have you seen from the Toreros so far from your point of view? Well, honestly, we haven't seen much. 
because of all of the stops and starts this year with many of the programs in the WCC, Gonzaga, LMU, Pacific, and of course, San Diego, the Trails have only played five total games Mm -hmm. to this point. You mentioned the conference opener. Uh, That was it. That was their fifth game of the year on December 31st, New Year's Eve. They only played four non-conference games and then the one conference game in which they led against USF. They had a 10-point lead but couldn't finish the deal. So to be honest, we have not seen much from USD on the court. We expect a lot because they have a great bunch of newcomers who all have high major, great D1 college basketball experience, a lot of starts, a lot of games under their belts, etc. But they haven't played much together. They didn't get much in the offseason because of the pandemic. They had to pause uh, for their own reasons right before the season then other teams' reasons during the middle of the season. So like I said, they've only played five games. They're just trying to get rotations and experience and, and trying to gel together as they come into the BYU contest tonight, which is only their second conference game and only the sixth game overall. Yeah, everyone's just kind of trying to figure things out. In fact, BYU was headed to Pepperdine the other day in mid-flight. They had to turn around and come back because Pepperdine had a positive COVID test. How have you seen COVID specifically affect this year's team? Well, like I said, it's been very tough. Um, you, you, you Normally, I mean, there was all kinds of hype for this team this year for San Diego because after only nine wins last year, but coming off back-to-back 20-win seasons the previous two years and a trip to the NIT in 2019, they kind of reloaded a bit this year. And like I said, players transferring from Boston College and Texas A&M and TCU, right? Like these are, these are big programs, and they have all these players coming in, whether they be grad transfers or guys who have starting experience at places like New Mexico or whatever it is. Those guys are all coming together. You're like, okay, this is actually something that you know you can build to. But as the pandemic wore on, they just didn't get you know living in California. The rules weren't updated until late by the governor's office. They weren't able to practice too much together. Then they had their own COVID reasons for starting the season so late. And then when they tried to find games with other teams, other teams were on pause. Hmm. So they, it was very, very tough for them to get kind of anything momentum-wise. Uh, unity-wise kind of going here just based on the schedule and the way the pandemic is playing out. And along those same lines, the, the environment in the Jenny Creek Pavilion is always full of energy. Have any fans been able to see the team this year? No, and, and that will be the case uh, for the rest of the season. In California, there will be no, uh, doesn't matter who you are, you're not having any fans, uh, whether it be professional teams or uh, college teams, high school sports in California aren't even playing yet. Right. Uh, they will not start until the middle of January for high school sports, and even then without fans. Uh, but as far as California's rules go, uh, this college basketball season will not have any fans in the stands for California teams moving forward. Man, such a unique feel, but but something we're all getting used to, unfortunately. But uh What's something you mentioned some of the the new players coming in and, and transfers, but what's something about this team that fans should keep their eyes open for during the game tonight? Well, like I say, I mean, this unlike last year for USD, last year there was a bunch of freshmen, uh, a bunch of guys who were playing or starting for the first time. Uh, they only won nine games. There wasn't really that experience of being able to uh, make a big run in a game or hold on to a lead or something like that. That's much different this year. There are, there are grad transfers. Yawan Masalski is a four-year starter. Um, he and Joey Calcaterra and Finn Sullivan, who are three of the starters this year for USD, all played, in the case of Masalski, started on the NIT team two years ago. So this is just a different team that 
uh, can close or play just a little bit more calm. You won't see the turnovers that you saw last year, those kinds of things, because it's just a different team made up of much more experience. All right. Well, the WCC often has a lot of of parity. A lot of the teams are, are pretty equal, so I'm excited to hear that it could be a great game tonight. And San Diego is unique, along with BYU and the WCC, for playing football. And COVID has made its mark there, too. But what's the latest for the Toreros on the gridiron? Well, get this. They're going to play half of their season, so six games instead of 12. They're going to play half their season starting in February. So the FCS schools the football championship subdivision, what used to be called 1AA, mm-hmm. they delayed everything. Uh, most of the schools delayed everything to the spring. So they're going to play a six-game regular season conference-only schedule starting in February. That's going to end in April. They still, if they win the conference, as they have for many, many years in a row now, they would go to the playoffs as the automatic bid. That's still going to happen. But it's going to happen in April and May as opposed to November and December like it usually does. Wow. So how does that affect you as being the play-by-play guy for <laughs> basketball and football? How are you going to pull that off? Well, you know, okay, so I, I would like to think, uh, as I'm always very positive, uh, and I work for <laughs> the university, so uh, I always like to think that we're going to the NCAA tournament or the NIT or whatever other postseasons out there. Um, but what we'll try and do is first get through the WCC tournament, which is that first weekend in March, um, and then we'll start uh, football play Later on after that, a couple of weeks, you know, they get deeper into March. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be, I think for us, the schedule will line up. But uh, you know what? I'm always positive. And if they make a run to the postseason, you the Toreros, then we'll adjust as we go along there. It's always an adventure, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> the strangeness of 2020 is leaking into 2021. So you've been calling both sports for a while now. Who are some of your favorite personalities, players or coaches that you've met through the years? Well, I mean, the, the football coach, Dale Lindsay is a huge personality. Uh, he's one of the best quotes you will have in terms of kind of that old-school linebacker, old-school NFL position coordinator coach, uh, guy who played in Kentucky and then uh, coached in the NFL and was the defensive coordinator here. Uh, he's in his 70s and coaching <laughs> one of the oldest in, uh, in football at any level. Um, he's just one of those old-school guys who will give you great quotes and is a great person to to talk to that's our, our football side here uh, and on the basketball side we've had we've been blessed with really great uh, people to be around like sam Scholl and bill greer and all those guys who are, are just you know good folks good humans uh who uh, give you the time explain things to you here's why we're doing this here's what we're doing uh but we've had great you know we've had great players who now are still on and playing in europe or otherwise isaiah pinheiro on the basketball side from two mm-hmm. years ago signed with the sacramento kings out of college which was a great uh kind of uh, accolade for the 2019 team. Johnny D, the team's all-time leading scorer, is still playing in Europe. One of the best, a San Diego native uh, who made it big uh, as the all-time leading scorer here on the football side. Josh Johnson still playing in the NFL uh, as a quarterback for, I think it's now 13 years. Uh, his running back is JT Rogan, who was uh, our color commentator on our broadcast for many, many years. Uh, you've got players now, Jamal Agnew, Ross Dwelly for the Lions and the 49ers right now. So even as an FCS football program and even as a team that has had up and down seasons in basketball, they've still been able to produce great talent and more importantly, great players, great humans. Well, who doesn't want to live in San Diego? I mean, that's, that's going to sell itself right there. Um, you mentioned Isaiah Pinheiro. He's, he's one that I was able to interview a couple of years ago, and he has a great, great personality. So I'm glad to hear that he's still doing well. 
So, since you've been there at San Diego, who has developed into San Diego's biggest rival? It's a good question. Um, there is a, you know, within the city of San Diego now, there are actually three Division One teams because UCSD, University of California, San Diego is in the Big West. Uh, they aren't eligible this year, but they're making the transition. And then, of course, there's San Diego State. And I always found those games to be great, but the two teams aren't playing this year. Um, and so that was before the pandemic, the, the contract was up between San Diego State and USD. I've always enjoyed those games. Um, it just the, the ability to play uh, at either side. We played at a baseball stadium at the uh, a Padres uh, stadium a couple of years ago in a game that USD won. So that San Diego State game is always a great one. Our travel partner is BYU. Uh, and I think it's always great because it seems like, you know, at the Marriott Center, the Cougars are almost unbeatable. Great crowd, just an amazing atmosphere. I think it's the best in the WCC. Um, and then, but San Diego really gives them a tough task at home. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a great fun back and forth. And I think, you know, whether it's women's volleyball or men's basketball or whatever, you know, there's always great BYU San Diego games. So I really enjoyed those. Um, so I don't know that, that San Diego has a true uh, rival. You know, this isn't, you know, you're your Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA uh, type situation. But, you know, I would look at teams like BYU and San Diego State as some of the great, great atmospheres and games that the Trails get to play in many, many years in a row. What is the team's perception of BYU this season? So obviously everyone's season got cut off uh, last year a little bit early, specifically BYU's. What is the team's perception of the Cougars coming into tonight's game? Well, first of all, I think the WCC is a multi-bid league. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, projections right now have two teams in Gonzaga and BYU. There could be more down the line. That's how good the league is and usually is. Um, you know, I think a lot of people thought, oh, BYU, they lost so many players from a great, great team. A team was top 10 in the nation last year. Maybe they won't be as good. No, that's not true. I mean, <laughs> BYU is going to be a great program. They've reloaded. Um, so nobody is underestimating BYU in any sort of way. And I hope that the Cougars don't get overlooked because of how good Gonzaga is. Right. Because, and that didn't happen last year, which was great. I mean, BYU earned everything last year and really made a national statement. And I hope that continues this year because it's great for the league and it's great for everybody involved. But nobody is, is overlooking BYU in any sort of way. Right. Jack, normally we take this time to ask about some tourist spots our fans can visit while they're there in town, but <laughs> that's not really going to happen this year. So while we're basking in the cold and smog and snow flurries here in Utah, what's the weather like in San Diego right now? We're very lucky. Um, we're going to get <laughs> a little bit of rain, uh, you know, which California desperately needs uh, at the end of uh, next week. Um, but it's been a little cold by San Diego standards, which means <laughs> upper 60s instead of low 70s. Um, we are very blessed. The lockdowns and the pandemic, um, you know, those living in San Diego have been very, very lucky because the beaches have been open, uh, the parks have been open, and you get to enjoy the natural parts of it that make San Diego what it is. So unfortunately, we can't have uh, the great BYU crowds that travel so well down the 15 to the Jenny Craig Pavilion usually, but uh, know that the folks here in San Diego are not taking what we have for granted moving forward. Well, just know we're all a little jealous here, basking in the sun and on the beach, even if it's a little chilly, sounds like a dream right now. So <laughs> so enjoy it, Jack, while you can. <laughs> uh, Jack Cronin is the play-by-play -play voice of the University of San Diego basketball and football teams. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you guys soon. 
And that does it for our first show of 2021. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. WCC Play is upon us. This is Cougar Tailgate.